Before we begin, please refer to the disclaimer and link in the podcast notes, and note that all opinions expressed in this podcast are intended for informational purposes only and should not be treated as investment or financial advice. The Ethereum blockchain has just passed a significant major upgrade, and it looks like there could be another one in 2023. I'm here with Nick, a senior research analyst at Collective Shift, and he's going to break down a a two-part post he just did for members in recent weeks about what's ahead for Ethereum as it continues its journey to try to you know, be cheaper for the masses to use it on a daily basis. So Nick, I'll hand it over to you to break down these posts. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Uh, these are two part series that I did sort of explaining the Ethereum roadmap and the upcoming upgrades to try and help our members and the public understand all the jargon, which is littered throughout a lot of the roadmaps. I'm sure you were actually quite daunted to it by Matt. When you look at the roadmap and you see all these confusing words such as protodeng sharding and your head sort of explodes. So my goal here is just to try and explain the Ethereum roadmap as easily as possible. So we can maybe just jump into the first upgrade that's going to be happening, which was all focusing on scalability. So now we finally have the merge that's done and dusted. I think it's unanimous that scaling is the next big focus for Ethereum and a lot of the Ethereum ecosystem. So one upgrade we'll be seeing is something called Cancun, which possibly could happen in Q3 uh, or Q4 this year. And it will include an upgrade, which is called EIP4844. So as I said, this is called protodank sharding. Try not to let the name confuse you too much. At a high level, it just means that Ethereum-like networks such as Optimism or Arbitrum would become much easier to use. So at the moment, I'm sure we've all transacted on these networks and they are actually quite costly. Um, So hopefully this upgrade will allow swaps and ETH transfers to be less than a cent or, you know, a couple cents at most for a transaction. So we may see scaling upgrades to the tune of 10 to 20x, which is something I'm really excited about, Matt. I'm not sure about you, but really long overdue. And I'm expecting more usage of these Ethereum-like networks to come to the market, especially as we're seeing these really, really cheap fees. Um, I know uh, Bitwise did some good analysis looking into how much this is going to impact in a real tangible way. Uh, I've included this in my report. Maybe we can pop this up on the screen, Matt. And it just compares networks such as Polygon, Arbitrum, Optimism, and then Ethereum L1 and compares their median transaction fees in 2022 and sort of gives you a bit of an input into what it's going to be like after EIP 484. And yeah, we're seeing massive scalability improvements, hopefully along the way. So I'm really keen to see if we, if this is actually reality or if these were undershoots or possibly overshoots, but it's just think of this as the first starting block that can really turbocharge uh, Ethereum transactions and make transacting on Ethereum like networks much cheaper. Yeah, well said, Nick. Um, as you said, it's one it's one start. I've heard different people from different teams and projects all say that it's going to be you know more than ninety nine percent reduction. Um, which you know, if I heard it from one source, I might have been a bit skeptical, but they all seem to be on the same page that you know what would cost at the moment about a dollar twenty or you know a dollar fifty on the likes of Optimism or, or Arbitrum could really come down to you know about you know even less than a cent or even just like two cents. Uh, so, you know, that's going to be significant. And 
what I like to think about it, the way I like to think about it too, is this isn't really going to affect the Ethereum one, uh, the layer one chain as we use it today, like so much it will like marginally. But I think for the average person who just wants to use applications on, on Ethereum, it's really going to give them more of a motivation and more of a reason to jump across or jump up to these layer two solutions, which, which so far, yes, they exist and whatnot. But I think a lot of people are still, you know, pretty lazy and pretty comfortable on the Ethereum base chain or the Ethereum layer one chain. So when these fees do come down, as we said, over 99% reduction, I think it will hopefully like spur more usage and adoption of layer twos and help alleviate that pressure mm-hmm. on, on the fees on, on layer one, which I think in recent weeks have been up towards, you know, a hundred to 300 like dollars or US dollars worth of transaction fees just to, you know, swap two tokens like on, on Ethereum layer one, which is in a bear market. That's like pretty concerning if I'm being honest. So, uh, yeah, you really laid it out well here for members. Um, was there anything else on, on EIP 4844 or anything else in this sort of part one post that you wanted to highlight for members? So EIP 484 is sort of the kickstart to a lot of the, the scalability solutions that are coming to Ethereum. And after this gets introduced, the next big focus then will be pursuing what's called dank sharding, which again, very confusing term. And sharding has been thrown around a lot and taken a lot of different forms over the years because the roadmap has changed quite a bit. But at a high level, it just means that Ethereum will be focusing on making or reducing the amount of data that is stored. So it makes it much easier to post a lot of Ethereum L2 data to Ethereum. So it just is another kickstart. It's another boost. And it just creates sort of focuses on where is the data? Cause that's one of the big problems at the moment with these L2s. So really excited to see that, but that will come much later and over a longer period of time because it requires significant upgrades to happen, uh, which maybe we can get into now, um, which I talked about in part two. Yeah, sure, Nick. I'll um, just get that up on the screen now. Um, could you maybe talk about just as I do that, the, um, you know, the timeline for, for proto dank sharding or EIP 4844, is it, has it come forward, you know, recently or, you know, what's, is there any sort of indication of when it, when it could come? So there's positive news that there's been a lot of teams, especially at Coinbase and Optimism, who are working hard on, on EIP 4844. And I think they had the latest Ethereum developers call, which signaled that they're really targeting, um, the later months of this year, which I think would be a massive win if we can see two major upgrades in the year for Ethereum. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, no, hopefully that could come. That'd be yeah, really, really uh, encouraging for the Ethereum community. Uh, so we've got number two here, or part two of two. Uh, you've, you've titled this like the rest. So the first one was on, on scalability um, or, or more about scalability. But what's... um. You know, where, where does part two go and like what were the main sort of takeaways that you wanted to share with um or share with us today? Yeah, thanks. So the core, I think, focus shifting here is trying to make Ethereum or continue Ethereum to scale in a way that doesn't compromise its decentralization and ensuring there's low resources that are uh, required. So one way to scale is to increase um, I guess like Solana is doing, providing more hardware 
And but that just means that the amount of resources required to uh, verify Ethereum and secure the network is much higher. And this just uh, results in a lot of centralization because if you have more resources, if it takes you a lot of computing power, a lot of data, a lot of hardware to um, verify it, then it just means that only a few select people can do it, which then poses risks to the ecosystem. So what Ethereum is trying to do is to try to scale in a way that keeps its resource requirements low. And this is going to be done through a whole variety of different upgrades and different EIPs throughout the coming years. Uh, so it's really broken up in the Ethereum roadmap here in what's called the scourge or the verge phases of the Ethereum roadmap, uh, which all targets uh, making it simpler and reducing the amount of data that Ethereum needs to hold on to to make sure that more people can verify Ethereum. Yeah, understood. Um... Is there, is there developers like working on these other phases sort of at the moment or are they, do you get the sense that sort of all all of the teams are sort of focusing on, on this sort of immediate next step? So it's as um, I think Vitalik has said that the Ethereum roadmap isn't um, in stages. So it's not that it's scalability now and then we have to wait into scalability, you know, upgrades have come then we can move on to X, Y, and Z. A lot of it's going on in parallel at the moment. And so I know a lot of, when I was doing my research into a lot of the uh, core technology going into making Ethereum, you know, easier to use, making it more simple. There's a lot of test nets that are up and running, but they still require significant testing um, and significant, real robust um, hardening before any of this even comes close to, you know, being a reality. So an example of this is focusing on what's called proposer-builder separation, which is an important upgrade uh, for Ethereum to scale, but also for Ethereum to pursue uh, lower resource requirements for the network. So this is a big one, which also tackles MEV, which can be simplified as value that is leaked when you're doing a trade. Um, so this is a big one that won't come in the next you know, 12 months, but is perhaps on the horizon for the next 18 to 24 months and will be really instrumental to kickstarting further uh, upgrades and scalability. Yeah, nice. I know certainly, yeah, that's, I think in high gas fees like we're seeing uh, today, I think it's uh, even more sort of obvious of how, how much like average users are getting fleeced essentially when they're using uh, Ethereum and they're sort of losing money, but they're not realizing that they're losing money because it's not actually, it's not really that visible to the average person. But um, I think that is all a result of what's called, uh, yeah, MEV. Um, and I think something like PBS that you highlighted there, Nick, uh, will be, you know, a real, a real hot, uh, sort of a buzzword or not a buzzword because that means implies it's not really valuable, but it'll be, it'll be a term you're sort of going to start hearing more and more about over the, over the coming years, that's for sure. Um, and another one is is also account abstraction, which is uh, yes. not specifically on on a. It's going to be a specific upgrade, but is a focus uh, in the final rest of. I think it's called the splurge, which is anything else that doesn't fit into the other roadmap items. And and account abstraction is important because it increases uh, the usability of Ethereum and of wallets and makes the user experience much better. And this is sort of already on the way 
because um, account abstraction upgrades have already come to Ethereum in a small way. And Ethereum L2 networks, such as uh, StarkNet, uh, ZK Sync, and even Polygon, their new um, EVM network, it's building in account abstraction natively into you know their infrastructure, essentially. So we're going to start seeing a much better user experience. And a really practical uh, example I like to think about is using your wallet and not having to do a million signs if you want to play a game, for example, or use an application. You'll be able to um, sign away your account. You'll be able to separate that so that your other funds or other accounts aren't compromised or aren't um, accessed. And then you can continue using uh, that game or experience or DAP without having, you know, really complex and bur- burdensome, you know, wallet interactions. Yeah, that's no, certainly one I'm um, very excited for and one that I think will help a lot of the average people like maybe, you know, get past all this lingo that we're explaining and, and when account abstraction is implemented or, or more apps are implementing it, I think I'm very excited to see how easier it is for the average person to get involved with crypto without sort of even knowing because uh, right now it is still after all these years still extremely intimidating even just seeing the words like connect your wallet when you when you sign up when you go onto your first ever application on ethereum like even just that connect your wallet mm. is such a weird term that no one even really knows about outside of crypto um there's so many still barriers to entry after all these years uh that you know i think something like account abstraction you know there's so many examples of how it can benefit them and i think that's a great one that you mentioned there nick um i suppose to um yeah just just in in closing um i suppose was was there anything was there anything else that you want to just just leave us with nick in terms of these this two-part post or even another not something else on the second part that you wanted to to highlight or I think mainly bringing it back to how it impacts you as a user, uh, because it really depends. If you're a user of Ethereum, then you'll notice reduced fees, not on Ethereum L1, but on Ethereum L2s. And you could potentially save a lot of gas. You know, maybe if you were wanting to use Ethereum or these networks, but, you know, were scared off by still the high fees. Uh, as we see these scaling upgrades come through, these would be much easier to use. Um, and then I guess if you're an ETH holder, it has really important implications in its standing in the ecosystem. Because as you were saying before, we are still seeing very high gas fees on the network. And this is causing you know a lot of congestion and really caused Ethereum to lose a lot of market share to alternative R1 blockchains um, in the 2021 bull market. You know, With Avalanche and Solana, we're really the big winners there. Um, if Ethereum does start to scale then this could be potentially you know, a, bull, a bullish catalyst and something that is could, could um, see Ethereum regain market share that it perhaps lost to other mm. networks and then raises this concern about how many layer one networks do we need in the ecosystem if Ethereum is and can scale effectively, uh, which is one thing I'm looking out for and will continue to monitor. Yeah, well said. It's definitely uh, exciting times, even in this bear market. This is the time to be uh, to really be following this sort of stuff because it can pay uh, dividends when things uh, do do return. Uh, so, yeah, as, as we said at the top of the show, this was a a sort of an example of, of posts that we publish or Nick in this case for Collective Shift members uh, to access more of that or to find out more about what we do. Please do head to the website at collectiveshift.io. 
Uh, and alternatively, or additionally, uh, also I encourage you to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. These are emailed every Friday. Uh, our newsletter gives you actionable insights into the most important developments happening in crypto, in really simplified terms. Join over 10,000 people in receiving it by subscribing at collectiveshift.io forward slash newsletter.